Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome to another episode of Backspin, brought to you by the good people at Inside Golf magazine. My name is Larry Canning. With me in the studio, again, my old mate, who happens to also be one of the most revered golf coaches in the country, Gary Barter. Hello, Gaz. How are you, mate? Big show, mate. Great show, actually. We'll be chatting with one of the most respected caddies on the US PGA Tour, Victor Hovland's caddy, Shay Knight, an yeah, Australian. He's a great guy, Shay. He's an Aussie, comes from the Australian Golf Club, former yeah, club I've champion. Known, I've known Shay for so many years. That's going to be fantastic. I can't imagine an easier bloke to caddy for in the world, but I'm sure Shay will have different opinions <laughs> on that. We'll also be talking to uh, a fellow PGA professional, Glenn Whittle, also a very respected golf coach, guys, about a new coaching device called Train Your Plane. This looks fantastic. You've had a crack at it. Really, really good. Yeah, it's, it's an inflatable plane board, and, and uh, yeah, again, Glenn's going to be telling us how this device works and why we need it so badly. We're having a spit, and it's going to be about Cam Smith's ruling that took place at the first tournament on the uh, FedEx Cup playoff series, where he hit into a hazard, dropped out, and um, and the ball rolled nearly back onto the red line, or apparently touching it, and he got penalised, but it was the way he was penalised was pretty ordinary. Your tip of the week, Gaz, is about why the swing plane is so important and how Glenn Whittle's plane board can help mm. so many players. Yeah, it's we'll a, have some good insights there. It's a concept. It's a conceptual thing. Mm. We love that. I love that word, conceptual. It's a nice I, I word. I don't know why. It's a very sure, nice word. Yeah, I just like saying it. It's <laughs> conceptual. Yes, I love saying it. Gary, we'll be right back after this break with Victor Hovland's caddy, Shay Knight. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. Thanks for being on the show, Shay. As I mentioned in the intro, you've caddied for Matt Jones, Martin Laird, Sean O'Hare, and now one of the hottest properties in the golfing planet, Victor Hovland. Just rewind there and just tell us a little bit how it started. Yeah, it started, uh, obviously I'm good friends with Matt. We played a lot of golf together back at the Australian Golf Club. I've known him since I was 15 years of age. So we did a lot of travelling together, playing amateur events. Then he went to ASU, played college at ASU, and then got a nationwide tour. And we always kept in contact. And, you know, there was one time when he said, you know, do you have any interest in coming over and caddying for me? And, you know, I was doing my landscaping course at the time and I said, yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, I caddied for him on the Nationwide Tour and ended up caddying for him. He got his tour card the following year and I was with him for five years and then we parted ways in 2012, I think it was. Yeah, it was 2012. So it was actually 2007 that I started with him. And then I ended up working for Martin Laird for just under two years where I won the Valero Texas Open with him. Then we parted ways and then I picked up Sean O'Hare and we had a great relationship. Sean is still a really good friend of mine with him for five years. Unfortunately, he tore the cartilage off the bone and he's left oblique. So, you know, I was out of work. And it was a tough situation for me because at the time I had a family and, you know, I had a mortgage, etc. And not knowing in this industry when you're going to pick up your next bag. But I was fortunate enough to uh, get a phone call from Victor Hoblin's agent. And uh, he said, do you want to take a chance with this kid? And here I am now driving to uh, the house here in Atlanta for the Tour Championship. So it's been a wild ride. It's been an amazing ride, something that, uh, you know, I pinch myself a lot with regard to this. But, yeah, it's very fortunate, put it that way. Shay, Gary Barter, how are you, mate? Hey, mate. But like anything, obviously when you started out, it wasn't easy, like a lot of professions. Like you've got to the top end now and you're regarded as one of the best caddies in the world. And... Just from me talking to the other caddies, like your reputation, as far as your work ethic, you have no sort of peers and you always do those one percenters. 
And obviously you started out with Matt as a young guy and on his journey and on your journey, but you would have been raking in the big dollars back then. That is very true. And, you know, it was a really difficult situation because, you know, Matt was making, you know, decent money. He lost his card a couple of times and, you know, being a caddy when, you know, the, the, they're keeping their card, not keeping their card, you know, expenses on the road are... Uh, very high. You know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but everything that you spend on the road, whether it's rental cars, airfares, accommodation, food every night, it's all coming out of your pocket. Now, obviously, you get a wage each week, but, you know, the wage you get very rarely covers your cost for the week. Pretty much, you're relying on the commission that you make from your golfer. And, you know, at the time, you know, I was probably making 60, 70 grand a year, but my expenses were... 50, 60 grand a year. Wow. Yeah, so and then obviously you got your expenses at home as well. So, you know, you're trying to juggle everything and you're trying to, you know, keep your head above water, so to speak. And, you know, it was extremely difficult. But, you know, I prided myself on, you know, being as diligent as I could to, you know, work as hard as I could, walking golf courses. You know, before a round, I'd walk the golf courses because I didn't know them. So I was trying to work out exactly where the pins were to give the best information to, you know, whether I'm caddying for Matt Jones back in the day or whether I'm caddying for Victor Hovland now, I continue to do the same thing. So. And so for people watching golf and you, and you see you guys pulling the bag around, there's a lot more goes into it than just pulling the bag around, getting out a yardage book, talking to the player about the wind and the numbers. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a lot more that goes on. Like, if you turn up on a Monday, what would be normally uh, the normal process for you at a, at a venue, even though you may have been to that venue before? Obviously, you know, every single time I get in on a Monday and I'll walk the golf course, I'll make sure everything's still the same. Obviously, I've got my yardage books from previous years, which helps considerably because, you know, I write notes in all the time. Yeah. So I've got all the information in there, but, you know, it's just refreshing the memory, making sure that, you know, things haven't changed, making sure they haven't put new tees in because, you know, as we all know that, you know, these golf courses are getting longer and longer each year to try and make it more difficult for these players that are, you know, bombing it. And, you know, it's just refreshing the memory more so. You know, Tuesday is usually a practice round where, you know, we'll play nine holes. I'll be out there for, I don't know, probably eight hours. And then Wednesday, we'll play the Pro-Am. I'm usually there for, you know, five to six hours. And then, obviously, the tournament starts on Thursday, where yeah, they're usually pretty long days. I'm just looking at those names again I just mentioned earlier. Shay, Matt Jones, Martin Ledge, Sean O'Hare, Victor Hovland. Some different characters there, too. How do you juggle that? I mean, uh, from my understanding of, uh, of Martin Laird, he can be a little fiery. Sean O'Hare seems like the world's nicest bloke. Victor Hovland just laughs, at, you know, every time he misses or makes. And Matt just seems a little serious, but a, a nice guy. So there's a balance there isn't there? How do you, do you have to adjust as you were carrying someone else's golf bag? How did you have to adjust your attitude to meet the player? Honestly, you've got to be a chameleon. <laughs> you've got to read your player or the personality really well, and you've got to adapt. You know, it's like, you know, people always ask me, you know, what, you know, there's times when people get in, or golfers get in situations, what do you say to them? And there's times when, like I said, you need to understand your player, and you need to understand when to say something and say get your head out of your ass or whether there's a time where you just shut your mouth and just ride the wave. So, you know, that's probably the biggest part of caddying, in my opinion, just trying to read mm. your player, trying to understand where they're coming from, you know, what information they want, what information they don't want. You know, some players like a cheerleader, some players don't like a cheerleader. Hobby <laughs> hates 
I'll cheer you later. You haven't got those streamer things, right? You don't put, pop them out of the golf bag and jump up and down to you. <laughs> no, you, <laughs> you're not doing that. But, you know, sometimes I'll say, come on, let's, let's birdie the next. And he's like, mm. well, I'm trying. I'm like, I know you're trying, but, you know, let's just, you know, refocus and, you know, let's start again. And whereas Sean O'Hare, he loved the cheerleading. He loved, Did he? Yeah. you know, the nurturing, arm around the shoulder. Come on, mate, we can do this. Come on, let's keep going. So... It's just a matter of adapting to your player and, uh, yeah, trying to get the best out of him on the day. Shay, have you got it completely wrong, ever? Why do you say that? Because I uh, was caddy for Sean O'Hare. He was trying to get his card back, and we were playing at the Scarlet course in Ohio, and he was really struggling. He missed the first cut in the first playoff event, and we get to the Scarlet course, and he was coming sixth at the time. And this is the final round. We're on the 13th hole, the par three down the hill. And, you know, obviously if he comes top five, then he's going to lock his card up. So he birdies the par five, the hole before, get up on the 13th hole, it's a downhill par three. And I'm running to the tee, and I didn't realise that they put the tee up on the front tee, the forward tee. Uh-oh. And so I get up there, give him the numbers, and he's going through, and he hit, he flushes a six iron, and he hits it straight <laughs> over the green. And he looks at me, I look behind me, <laughs> and I put my head down, I'm like, oh, no. And him being the type of guy that he is, he comes up to me, he goes, Shay, I got you. Hits this unbelievable flop shot to like three feet, holds the putt, uh, and then goes on, birdies a couple more holes and finishes third. It was just, wow. that's the oh, type of guy he is. He's, wow. Yeah. What a great story. Yeah, great bloke, eh? Hey? Yeah, unbelievable guy. So, Shay, anything that's important that you've got to look after Victor with? Like, I know Lance, who caddy somebody, has to make sure that he's got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in his bag every day that he plays, probably more important than his golf balls in there, but anything that sort of, that Victor likes? Honestly, I do everything for him. The only thing that he does is hit the shot. So I'm marking golf balls, I'm getting bars for him. I, so he's not know, superstitious with the number in, of the ball? Um, electric, no, not at all. Once again, I pride myself on, you know, giving the best to my player and that's what Victor wants and that's what he gets, so... Yeah. You guys had a great run. Like, what was that British Open like? Yeah, like you're, you're, in, you're in the heat. Last round, obviously, it doesn't get any more hotter than that in the sort of the furnace than that last round of the British Open. What was that like, the dynamic mm. of that last round? Honestly, the Saturday was a lot better, to be honest with you. We played with Rory on Saturday as well as Sunday. And, you know, they just fed off each other so well. And the atmosphere was obviously electric. They were making birdies left, right and centre. Um, Sunday... You know, don't get me wrong, the atmosphere was electric. You know, it was probably the best experience in terms of a major I've, I've ever done. You know, Augusta's always special, but, you know, just that environment, the British Open is probably my favourite major of the year. And to do it at St Andrews and be in the final group, and it was funny because we, we get up on number 18 and, you know, the crowds are electric. So they've got these ropes um, that are blocking the spectators from, you know, going in front of us. And so we hit our tee shot on number 18 and, you know, we're walking over the burn and they've got these ropes uh, to block the, the spectators from jumping over the burn. So all of a sudden, one spectator jumps over and goes underneath the rope and then all of a sudden it's just a free-for-all and everybody is going over the burn. And so the security, they're trying to stop the, the spectators and obviously they can't because there's thousands of spectators and so they bring this other rope from i don't know where it came from but so they bring the other rope and there's like 
you see all these security police just running towards the spectators. And I'm walking through the spectators. There's another rope. And all of a sudden, this security guard, he's in front of me. He's like, caddy, caddy. And I walk and the, the rope just hits me and hits my hat off. Obviously, I pick it up and the spectators just all around me surrounded me. And it was it was a cool experience. It really was. <laughs> well, you mentioned Augusta there, Shay. I'd love to hear about that. From a caddy standpoint, should I say a controversial history, hasn't there, with caddies at Augusta? I won't go into the details. Sure. I'm not sure we need to worry about the details. People can, can assume that themselves. But, you know, when you when you arrive there, are you looked after? We're looked after extremely well. Oh, okay. uh, we've got our own little uh, caddy shack on the side of the range. People always ask me this question. I say it is the best week of the life, best week of the year. But it's also the most stressful because you've got to be so precise with every facet mm. of your game. And the wind swirls through the, the pines, as Gaz knows. And in the white overalls. Exactly. And, you know, you're sweating like a pig in the white overalls. It's just, it's so surreal, like walking down 10, 11, 12, get on the back of 13. I love standing on the back of 13 because it is just, it's so quiet. You're looking back at the crowd. It's an unbelievably... It's a real experience. It really is. I, I I love it. It gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Actually, what about the Ryder Cup? That was uh, that was easily the best week of my life. From the moment I walked in the door, uh, the European team, it, it honestly felt like family, and just the whole atmosphere of it all. Obviously, we got our asses kicked, but just the whole experience from day one was absolutely magic. It really was. You know, we played thirty six holes each day, so you know we were. Running on fumes, we had nutritionists giving us, you know, shakes and through nine holes, 18 holes. Then, you know, you'd have a 20-minute break and then you turn around and go back out again. It's like you're so tired at the end of the day, but, you know, you're in the caddy area with all the caddies drinking, singing, dancing, and then you get up at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning and you do it again. It's just... It was spectacular. It really was. You get paid, right, for that? We got paid a little bit, but, it, okay. you know, it, it's not even... Didn't matter. Yeah, I think we got paid a couple of grand. It, it wasn't even worth it from that front, but, you know, I'd do it a thousand times if I could. Yeah, okay. I really would. Shay, it's been fascinating. We could talk for hours, and it sounds like you're, you're, uh, you're enjoying talking, so can we get you on again very soon and, and talk about what the rest of the year... Well, in terms of the rest of the year, there's only one tournament left on the regular tour, isn't there, and that's next week, the Tour Championship. Yeah, and Victor's looking good going into that before I, before I um, let you go. He's playing nicely? Yeah, he's been struggling with his ball striking a little bit, but, you know, he's a world-class player, so it's only a matter of time, you know, before he turns it around. He did today, shot, you know, 65 around that golf course that was playing you know extremely difficult so i'm expecting uh, great things this week and hopefully we can uh, have a great week and make some uh, cheddar sounds like he's got the right man on his bag thank you shay thanks for being part of the show and we'll be talking to you soon no worries at all thanks mate have a good day guys thanks shay cheers mate See you guys. yeah that was great talking to shay that is a totally different world to the one that my caddies had to deal with, Gaz, <laughs> than poor old um, than Shade. So I've told this story before, but it, it needs to be said because I feel better after I tell it. I actually hit my caddy with a golf ball once. I was playing the Malaysian Open. We were having a practice round, and he realised pretty soon that my short game was um, not quite up with Greg Normans at the time. I think Greg might have been leading or winning or something. So uh, he he took me to the practice fairway, and 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 he paced out. I was using a I was using a wedge. He didn't have many wedges back then. You only had wedge and sandwich. You're using a wedge, and I was hitting it too far, too low. It wasn't wasn't working. So he gave me the sandwich, 
and he paced out, it must have been like 100 metres or 100 yards or 100 metres, and said, now, just try and hit the ball. To me, I'll be standing there with the bag, because that was back in the days when they used to pick up. Yep. They didn't come in. So the caddy, and this bloke, this this Malaysian caddy, um, I don't know his name, but he was the oldest human uh, I'd ever, ever met. The oldest man I'd ever seen in my life. He had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, uh, which he never lit for the entire tournament. It was just the, it was like the remnants of a cigarette. It looked like it had been burnt a little bit at the end. His cap had more holes in it, you know, little bits of hair sticking out through his cap. Old pair of shorts and legs that were seriously no wider than the putter shaft I had at the time. And the poor old bloke. So, but he, and he was a cranky old bastard too. So anyway, look, he's, he's out there ready for me to hit and I'm hitting sandwiches and they're going quite nicely, and I reckon the wind changed or something. Something must have gone wrong because I hit one, and it might have been a flyer, and it just went a little bit further. And and he's and I thought he had it covered, and then it 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 landed right on his forehead, and it made that noise like you know when you hit a ball into a paling fence, just like wood, just went up, <laughs> fell fell on the ground. He went down on his knees. I, I've cut him like he's he's got, and now uh, as if he wasn't unhappy enough, he hated me. After that, so you had I, I went out, picked him up, double, and he and he kept he kept swearing at me in in Malaysian. And then next day, I just thought, well, I'm going to be getting another cat. He's surely he's not going to be able to survive that. And next day, he rolls up with this horrible old bandage around his bloody forehead. <laughs> Couldn't fit his shitty old cap on, so he's just he's got no cap. He's got a big ball patch, and uh, we missed the cut. And I reckon it's the, the the I think that was the best way to handle the whole situation was for me to make sure I missed the cut. Oh my goodness! So this poor old bloke could go back to his game of Marchese, whatever he's playing with well, the other caddies and the caddies. Well, that, that's that famous story with Ben Hogan and Gardner Dickinson told the story that that as you said back in the day, the the caddies would shag balls with a like mm. a catcher's mitt. And he said, uh, "I knew Hogan was good when his caddy obviously lost sight of the ball, and Hogan hit his caddy. Yeah, and, yeah. and the caddy's on the ground." And then Hogan hit the next shot and hit him while he was on the ground. <laughs> and then he's trying to crawl away and then he hit him again. <laughs> so That's not true, your, surely. Your, your guy just got one hit. He got one hit, that's, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you weren't accurate enough to hit him again. Yeah, but it, 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 it opened him up because his skin was 200 years old, I reckon. It was just, yeah. After this, we'll be talking to Glenn Whittle, Gaz, about this fantastic new training aid, Train Your Plane. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. Well, as we spoke about, Gary, in the intro, we've got Glenn Whittle on the line. Glenn has just come up with, well, he's created a brand new golf teaching aid. It's called Train Your Plane. You've had a crack. You like it. Mate, it's amazing. It is an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's an inflatable plane board. Glenn is on the line. G'day, Whit. How are you, mate? Laz and Gaz. Is there anyone else calling you that, Laz and Gaz? Um, it's a Just bit of a me. wank, so no, we usually try and edit that out when, when someone says All that. Right. Well, you will. Hello. <laughs> um, good to be with you, Larry and Gary. He's Gaz, I'm Larry. Get it right, with. Sorry. Okay, close. Uh, hi, good to be with you, Larry and Gaz. <laughs> that's, and that's going to stay in. That's, none of Time's that's going to be edited. Thanks for the chat, Whit. It was um, good to catch later. up. The Train Your Plane device, It's it's when I saw it, it seemed like something. Now, why hasn't someone done that earlier? It's such a simple concept. The, the plane board, as Gary knows, because I think Gary's been using the plane board for longer than, the, than there were planes in the sky. I think the Wright brothers Before invented it. there were plane boards. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but not one you could belt belt without breaking the shaft and and, and sh- sticking the shaft through the fore- your own forehead, which I've come close to a few times. Look, tell us how it started, please, Whit. Um, how how it how it began. I was 
looking for ways to help my clients practice between lessons and I gave them, like all coaches have over the years, all sorts of funky ideas of do this with a chair or put a pool noodle against this or whatever it was. Um, And then I started playing around. I'm always sketching or doodling on a pad. So I was just drawing some ideas and... You should see, in fact, I sent you guys some photos this morning. I'm not sure if you had a chance to look at them, but it took two years to sort of get it to a point that I thought was right. It had, I would spend a lot of time sort of making it out of plasticine because the manufacturers had no concept of what I was talking about. You must have gone through a lot of plasticine. (laughs) That's a a shitload of plasticine. (laughs) They weren't life-size. I don't know if you know about scale. Oh, you can go scale. It can scale. Miniature version, okay. They were double the size of the one. No, actually, they were only tiny, like a a map. Initially, I did that, but people kept laughing at me when I try and carry this uh, life-size plasticine through the house. Yeah. So I end up, and people are going, you're an idiot. Why don't you use little that, ones and then tell them? And I said, oh, that's a better idea. So I'd make these little things and I'd say, well, it, it is possible, which I, I suppose that's how engineers over the years have done, you know, like, can I do this with a building? Can I do that? Can it do this? So I, I sort of came up with this thing and I'm like, no. So I'd, get, I'd send it and I'd get um, prototypes made and that's not cheap, you know, it costs you a couple of grand. And I'd go, no, no. And everyone would laugh at me because I'd have, I'd then go out and I'd inflate them and I'd have sticky tape coming out of here and sticks through here. And, and I'd say, no, no, not happy with that. Then I'd, three, four months later, I'd get another prototype, not happy with that. No good. Uh, this is good though. This, you know, this little bit's good. But it's got to be adjusted. And anyway, so it went on and on, and it took a couple of years, and I got it to a point where I thought, you know what? I think it's got something. And I know it's not out there because I'd gone through my um, patent attorneys, both here and overseas, to go and do their searches. So we were, we were away. And then, and then I just thought, well, now you've got to spend a year, which it basically took to get the the product ready is in the packaging and the logo and the website and the app. It comes with a with a free app with about 25, 30 videos on, on the how to... Because it's about 10 different setups for three different pieces. You can not only do the plane, but they use Velcro and the three pieces can be used to set up all different practice exercises at home, basically. And is that when they decide to let you out of the facility at that point? <laughs> well, Did- <laughs> if, if you know me, I am crazy. Well, because I've been told I'm crazy because I do stuff like that. And, um, well, you've got to be crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know. But you did that on the, what, on the, on the day leave or at the, when you were in there? <laughs> no, I, did it, I did it in between. I did the, the sketching I did when I was in there full time. <laughs> I did some of the prototypes in, in the uh, insanity ward. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Would have been hard with your arms tied behind your back, too, wouldn't it? Well, you'd be amazing what you can do with your mouth and plastic. But I, I would, um, when I started drag, when I started dragging these life-size plasticine swing plane things through the ward, they thought, that's it. He's got to spend, we've got to put him away for 20 years. And I said, do I get any PDP points for this? Do you get PGA no. points for this? No. They said, no, you just... Yeah. You're in, no visitors. So by the time they let me out, I, I'd had a pretty good 
thing. In fact, the wardens liked it. Everyone well, I, t- I tell you what, <laughs> I, that's, that's what I was worried about because I, I really liked it. <laughs> well, the warden, some of the one of the wardens was off twenty eight, now <laughs> seven. So things are moving along. I'm out full time, and uh, this that's thing's really on the market. Going well. Hoping to sell five worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I, I've got to say on a serious note, you know, as you said, we as golf pros, we've plane boards have been around for a long time. I remember Stephen Ban was the first one that uh, that I'd seen use one. I remember he told me the dimensions to go and make it at home. It was five foot by two foot because obviously that the plane, as you know, we all have different planes and we can swing through on congruent planes. So we can obviously that shaft plane at the takeaway and the delivery, and then as we move back, you do get the odd player that'll stay on that plane, but but most players will sort of move up on on sort of parallel planes, then come back down. So that that size that you've got is uh, is is I think perfect for educating a player to swing the club on plane. As you know, as a golf instructor, a golf pro, the plane and the face they're sort of like the king and the queen of golf. So it's a Obviously, you're trained the plane, uh, which is the one that I think is uh, special in the fact that because it's not physically hard, you can sort of go at a swing with decent speed without sort of breaking a club or, you know, breaking something. And that's what I've found if there is a negative with the normal physical plane board made out of wood or some solid construction is that you can become a little careful in the rehearsals and then then the feedback that you're getting as a golfer, that proprioception, it's not really that valuable. You can sort of stand in front of a mirror all day and try to swing up and down a plane board, but you really need to make your motion with some force. And then having that, yeah, having, having what you've got, you can sort of tear into it and not do much damage, which is, I, I think, is the brilliance of it. Thanks. Well, I, I say to people all the time in lessons when I when I grab it and set it up for people, I always say, they, when they hit it, I say, that's great. And they say, what do you mean? And I say, well, if it wasn't there, you wouldn't know. You'd have no mm. feedback. And, and and with me, having made plane boards over the years, for most people, I know that they end up, you know, like they've got a couple of little stays at the back and they shove it up by the side of the shed and they don't use it, and as Gary said, and I, I couldn't agree more, they don't really swing dynamically. It's a bit sort of scared and fake. It is, and, it is. It's terrifying. Um, and, you can, and you can tilt the, you can tilt the board slightly left, slightly right to, to show different delivery paths. You can I, – I posted uh, your, your train the plane on my Instagram, and quite a few of the comments was, can I adjust this? Because obviously – God, I made a I made a rubber I made a rubber plane board from Clark Rubber many years ago, but of course it was cut in one piece of a block, and it wasn't adjustable. Uh, so, the, one of the questions I got asked uh, in regard to the Instagram was that can can we adjust this? Which you can, because obviously everyone has different anatomy, everyone has different swing planes, uh, different setup positions. So, I found it pretty easy to adjust and. As far as the precision of it, you know, people go, oh, well, I set my shaft up at 58 degrees. Can I can I get the plane board exactly at 58 degrees? I, I found it quite simple to get within a few degrees. You don't have to be amazingly precise, but you need to feel... And the other thing that I liked about it too is that with the 
obviously the material that it's that it's made from you can slip the club quite easily uh, back and it. down and you yeah. can get the right acoustics with the club slipping back and slipping through so which you don't get from plasticine I mean you don't <laughs> you definitely don't no, get that right. you definitely don't get Plast- that from plasticine well my club gets stick into the <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah stuck at impact <laughs> The ball would get, I was losing a lot of distance. The ball was going about a foot. <laughs> so um, what happened, Gary, is I kept getting different materials sent over, and as you can imagine with any process like this, you're trying to talk to people that don't know golf, and I'm saying it has to do this. And, that, and, and I had all these things in the back of my mind. It had to be affordable, had to be inflatable, had to be adjustable. My brother-in-law had a, had the idea, which I thought was brilliant. Of He said, so it comes in a little box. That's cool. And I said, yeah. He said, so what do they do when they finish with it? Like, they roll it up. That looks good. And I said, yeah. He said, why don't they get a little bag? I said, what do you mean a little bag? He said, well, if you're sending it to me, and he's a golfer, he said, I'd want to um, roll it up, throw it in the bag, and hang it in the shed. And I thought, that's that's a brilliant idea. Well, just why co- that cost you another, that's cost you another 10 bucks to make a bag. Well, a bag. You've got to give them a bag. So mm. I, I, I tested it a lot of, on a lot of people, a lot of clients, and uh, only people that I trusted would tell me the truth. I didn't want people to tell me it was great. I knew the good parts of it. I wanted to know the bad parts of it. Was it hard to get out? Was it hard to inflate? Did it stay? Um, so another thing they, they did for me with, um, with the manufacturing is I made them, part of my insanity again, I made them keep it up in their warehouse, every piece, because it comes in three pieces, the base, the wall, and the tube, for 48 hours before they pack them. So I've got videos and photos, I should post them on Instagram, actually, of the pieces up, blown up, inflated for 48 hours before they'd packed them, because I wanted evidence for my customers that they wouldn't deflate. They didn't have holes on them, etc. So are you saying, um, they, are you saying you should practice for 48 hours? Yeah, in a session, pretty much, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. And, and then if it's deflated, you should be having rest anyway. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at obviously, I've I've been using it. I've been using it a lot at the Aussie um, the last couple of weeks, and you know I've been taking it out on the grass. I've been using it in the indoor facility. Uh, we've been dragging it around. We've had we've had members just go and grab it and you know and and hit it. And it's been hit quite a few times. Like it's it's yeah. very durable, which I I found. Yeah. Probably exciting. Important, very yeah, important. Very important because yeah. you, you know, practicing golf at full speed, hitting balls, you you're going to get some people that are going to sort of rip into it. So it seems to be, it seems to be quite durable. I haven't yeah. I haven't sort of found any flaws with it at the moment, and obviously, it's been I've been using it in real life situations and and coaching too, not just in a private situation. Yeah, no, I appreciate Spe- that. Speaking of speaking of durable, I've <laughs> I've just recalled a, a story. My my brother-in-law Mark has a driving range up at uh, Gosford. He's a, another golf pro, so he's he's mad as well. Um, and he had when you said some people go at it really hard, he ha- he has one of those one of the ones that you actually lock the club in, and he's and he tried to tell the guy, look, go slow. I mean, because it's going to going to you know point you in different directions and he went nuts this bloke went bananas and tried to hit it and and the thing actually ripped out of the ground and it rolled down it was like a it was like a it was like a, yeah, right. it was like a wagon wheel flying down fred, 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 he's, fred. he's left there holding the club and the thing's sailing down the fairway i tell you what i did uh, just back to this i meant to mention it before what i did is i paid about a thousand bucks it was like four or four hundred to have it covered i i made a um 
for the listeners, I made a um, rectangle sort of like Gary was talking about before, and then I made another huge piece that went on the other side that matched the angle so that there was like a, think of it like an incline or an angled tunnel to swing between. And what I did is I had it covered so it was foam, not inflatable, foam. Mm-hmm. It was, it's massive. I love it. I use it all the time. Anyway, so what happened? An and, and for golf in, as well. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. An agency <laughs> in China rang me. And he said, I love you, what you've got. I saw it on social media. He said, I love it. And I said, oh, do you want one? And he said, no. And I said, you said you love it. He said, yeah, I've got a golf agency. I've got hundreds of thousands of customers. And I said, well, do you want some? And he said, no. And that was also a key indicator for me. Mm. That I'm onto something good, but it's no good. Because he said to me, I'd have to buy three factories to put them in. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, right. So, so I'm onto something good, but no one wants them. Right, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So how am I going to get it into something that's uh, marketable and, and that golfers can improve with, especially for my clients, that's why I did it. And hopefully, because it's got protection around the world, hopefully we sell a lot all over the place. Oh, it's got to go nuts. Yeah, I'm going to take, yes. take one over. When I go to the next live event, I'm going to take one over. Matt wants one. He saw me using it. And he said, oh, I've got to get one of those. So I thought to myself, that is interesting. You know, there's a guy who's plays the, well, I was going to say plays the PJ Tour, but he doesn't anymore. He plays the Live Tour. But he's won, obviously, he's been one of our better Australian players the last 15 years. So it definitely appeals to that end of player as well as someone that's just starting. So It'd be great for Plane crashes into the ocean too. Yeah, too guys, you'll be the first one. They'll be jumping. They'll be yeah. clamouring to well, go on that. No, he's you know Glenn's got a limited edition yellow version. Yeah, yeah. With a flare. With a flare. I tell my I tell my clients what you got to do. What you got to do is tell your wife. Throw the get, throw the box in the bin. Yep. Tell her it's a yoga mat. Yep. Yep. And then she can sit on it, and she can do a yoga and do all right that. It. And then when she zip, and then when she zips off to the shop, you just stick it together and practice your swing. Nice, Beautiful. yeah, you've got it all covered. Actually, there's a lot of industries you can. You're do an ideas to. man. Mm. <laughs> so, so, all right, guys. So wait, that's, Glenn, that's, 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 where do we get? Where do we get? Glenn, where do we get the train you're playing, and how much? And um, yeah. So you go to trainyourplane.com.au. Yep, and you buy it online. Um, it ships the next day. It's free shipping Australia wide, mm-hmm. and ninety five percent of players like you're in, if you're in absolute the top end, you know, in the bush, living in a cave up in Arnhem Land, we probably couldn't get it to you. But the rest of people, ninety five percent of Australia, it's free shipping. Um, it's one hundred and sixty five bucks. Oh, now that's that's not, that's, that's not dear. That's twenty five percent off for the Father's Day. So until the fifteenth. Oh. Of next month, it's twenty five percent off for Father's Day. So they're normally two twenty, but if you jump online and grab yourself one before the fifteenth of next month, um, obviously there's no proof that you're a dad, but it's all good. We're happy for you to be out there and uh, improving your golf. Good on you, Glenn. Thanks, mate. Thanks for being part of the show. Good to chat, and, and, and it's great to know that you're out, mate. At last, that's that's a, that's such a relief <laughs> for a lot of people. Well, for now, I'm back in. Uh, what oh, you got? Yeah, okay, uh, yeah, okay. Thursday, I'm back in. Okay. Good on your wit. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. See you guys. Okay, mate. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. 
Yes, the tip of the week goes. We're going to share it a little bit today. I believe in my in the amount of coaching I've done. I haven't done it for a while, but I was a firm believer in the plane board. When I met you and you were teaching me off it all those years ago, I realised I had it wrong, the plane. My understanding of where the club should go was incorrect. And most of the people I were teaching, in fact, I reckon about 90% of them, all had it wrong. Yeah, there's that two-dimensional vibe that most golfers have who haven't been taught or haven't been made aware of what the what the path of the club is that take the club back straight away from the golf ball. I think it's a straight back, straight through sort of golf swing. Now, as soon as the club leaves the ground, it has to start going back around your body. I mean, it's it, you know once you once it's made once you're made aware of it, it seems so simple. But a lot of people don't quite get that, do they? Yeah, I think the game. You know, we we pretty much set up at a target line. And we'll use an alignment stick, and it's pretty fair to say that what what you said is that people take it straight back, and it does look it does go straight back for a very short period of time, maybe a couple of feet. But if they continue to take it straight back, then their swing becomes up, and then when it, when it becomes up, they break that plane. Yeah, and that yeah. that famous image of Ben Hogan in the late fifties, where he had that sheet of glass, that famous drawing from the yep. the ball through his shoulders at that time. And he said that you should never break the sheet of glass. That was a that was a really early introduction to the plane of the swing. And the obviously with Glenn and the plane board, the plane board educates us that the golf swing does go back, but then around. Mm-hmm. And that that is something that a lot of players, even 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 players that have been playing for many years, they don't get the awareness of that until they have something like the plane board or obviously a golf pro or someone to give them the feeling of that. With the, with the pro, would it be fair to say it's more the downswing path that they're, that they're learning more so so much than the backswing path? Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I remember it would have been 10 or 12 years ago when Peter Costas was analysing Tiger Woods' golf swing with that famous BizCam swing vision, that super slow-mo. Yes. That, that yep. now has become normal. And Tiger hit a hit a poor shot, and he complained that the club was stuck behind him. And Costas said, "Look, even though Tiger was complaining about that, he said most of the viewers they should try and do that because most mm-hmm. of the viewers, and probably eighty five percent of amateur golfers, slice the ball. They come outside the plane on yep. the way down. So even though Tiger was complaining that he was inside too much." That's definitely a, a better player's mm, mistake. Mm, yes, a yes. Definitely a better player's mistake. So, look, as you said, the delivery, that's the, that's the gold. You see multiple different backswings. Mm. Jim Furyk, a lot of, lot of players, but the delivery of the great players is always right on the button, right yeah. on that shaft. But as you, as you said um, before we went on air, it's, it's, it's conceptual, isn't it? It is. It's the understanding. It's, it's, it's one of those things, I think, once you... It's like we talked about the last show, about how the golf ball gets in the air. Mm. Direct opposite of what most people think. Oh, absolutely. Get that bit right. And, and we, it you know, takes a little bit of teaching to get that right, but just the understanding of that, the actual principle. Well, the thing that I found why I really needed a plane board is because we, we use words as instructors, just words like, you need to swing more around, or you need to swing more up or you need to come on the inside, or you need to come more on the outside. And what do those words mean to somebody? Mm. And unless you have something as a reference to give you feedback of what is correct, and the, and the, the plane board set up on the shaft plane, that at least gives a player an awareness of 
what's right. Mm-hmm. So to train what's right instead of an exaggerated version of, oh, yeah, I had a lesson from so-and-so and he's got me more around now. Now, he, that person's idea of around yeah, can be yeah, completely yeah. misguided. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just feel that that reference point, the plane of the swing, there's, there's no argument other than positive. The face of the club, they're, they're like the two most important mm. things. And then obviously the swing dynamics, the weight shift, that's, that's, that's like the gold. But as far as anyone wanting to play some sort of accurate golf, you've got to fix the face and the plane. Mm. Mm. And it's the same with chipping and even putting goes. Well, plane, chipping, it's even, more, it's even more important for chipping because it's a, it's a, it's a shorter shot. So you don't have the time allowance mm. to correct any errors that are, or any junk that's going on during the, the biggest swing. With a bigger swing, you've got time to sort of correct it. But in a chip, you're either off it or on it. So that's why people often say to me, well, why is a chip so hard? Why is a putt so hard? Like it's such a short stroke. Mm. Well, it has to be more accurate in that short time because you don't have don't have the length of swing or the time to fix a, a mistake. Interesting. And uh, and also you've got the nerves and stuff going on with them, with the chipping and well if you chip like me. Well the yeah, the nerves come from bad feedback. From you know? yourself. <laughs> just or my just, playing part. Just, yeah, just Oh just, yes. We yeah. we haven't played together for a while, but I have forgotten that, yes. <laughs> yeah, like you you know, you, you keep getting bad feedback and you you get to a point where you you feel nauseous walking to the ball. <laughs> oh, I do <laughs> I played the tour for a least. I, I didn't eat for about, I was quite thin back then. I, was, I didn't eat for about seven years. <laughs> Thanks, Gaz. We'll be back after this with our spit. <laughs> Gary, we all saw it on TV. We read about it. We saw Cam Smith chipping from the, um, just off, just on the red line. For the listeners that didn't see it, Cam Smith um, hit, a, hit a shot into a water hazard in the first of the playoff events, and he was only, I think, one or two out of the lead at the time. Took a drop. The ball rolled back towards the red line. It appeared to be out of the red line, away from it enough. He played his chip. It was reviewed after the game by the rules officials because they had thought it might have been touching the red line, but they decided, all good, no problem. Next day, however, and Cam's warming up on the practice fairway, an official brings him back to the scorer's area and says, oh, we've replayed that again. This is the second time. Someone from um, sitting at home, a rules official sitting at home, watched it, mm. rang us in. We had to review it. Was your ball touching the red line? He said just a little bit of it because most of it was on the on the other side of the red line, on the, on the golf course side, meaning that I thought that that was clear of the hazard. And he was penalised two shots before twenty minutes before he hit off. I thought that was um, I, I, well, just flat out weird. But I just wonder whether the game of golf is better with some kind of softening of some of these rules, more an interpretation of how the player benefited from making that rules mistake. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, what about when you sign your card and that's it? You sign your score, you walk out of that scorer's tent and, and that's your score. Obviously, the game is underpinned on rules, ethics, and we have seen relaxation over the years, like the patting down spike marks now because of the, of the as you said, there's, there's, there's no real benefit that Cam has gained other than the fact that the rule is the rule and a portion of that ball is touching that hazard line, we know it hasn't affected the result. No. But in his case, for it to go through one examination and then deliberating again overnight, and then the next day for him to turn up and you've been whacked a two-shot penalty, and 
it showed the quality of person he is too. He just he just took it on the chin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you can say, well, that's golf, but they're the sort of things that happen that will promote change. When is it going in to the future? When is it going to be along those lines? Change where a, where a, a lawyer is going to get involved with that? But him being told when he was told twenty minutes before his tea time, but you're now two shots worse off. I know he beat it the first, but it clearly affected him because that round of golf he played was pretty ordinary after that. Mm. Um, when's the lawyer going to say, well, uh, no, you can't do that now. You tell him yesterday, well, yeah, he, I, can, he can then I bring think, his, physio, his, his psychiatrist and have a chat with him and, <laughs> well, and I think for me, bring that's, Glenn Whittle. That's the, that's the, I think that's the problem. I think the problem is that it's happened so long after the event and if, if they just look at the rule, yeah, unfortunately for him, he hasn't. He's he's broken that rule. Mm, that mm. that that two millimeters of ball or whatever it was that was sitting on the red line. That bit of spray paint that they tear along out mm. of a spray can. Yes. Like, yep. how, like it's just it's just that's the rule though. So you know, Cam will know in the future. It's just unfortunately it's one of those things that that happened. He won't do it again. But for me, it's the time frame mm. of when it happened. Yep. To then when he was informed of that decision i yeah, think that yeah. i think that's the stuff that they've got to sort out because it was it, it looked very amateurish didn't it that yeah. whole thing oh yeah yeah it looked yeah. terrible and cam should have known oh he should have known to to ask yes i'll, I'll give and it, that's I'll give and that's note. the other that's the other thing that'd be one of the few occasions where there didn't happen to be yeah a right, rules official right there yeah. right there exactly and when they watch them take a drop no take another drop no mm, take another mm. drop but unlucky mm. but worth a spit yes Definitely I, I, worth yes, a spit. I, I quite enjoyed that spit. Gary, thank you for being part of the show again. My pleasure. Hopefully you'll be part of the next show. You don't hate me yet? No, I'm 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 I'm, I'm working out like like Shay said, I'm I'm working out how to deal with you. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. thank you. Could you give Sandra a call when you get that organized? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, listeners. We'll see you next show. Listener.